Disclaimer. This podcast represents the opinions and experiences of Victoria and her guests on the show. All content is for informational purposes and entertainment purposes only. Information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, or replace face-to-face therapy and or medical care. First-gen feeler is exempt from any responsibility of actions or non-actions of the viewer. For medical emergency, please dial 911 or visit your local emergency center. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to another episode of First Gen Feeler, a place where we get to show up for ourselves, the younger version of ourselves, and also our community today. So I'm so excited to get started. I would love to introduce my host for today, and I'm actually going to let them introduce themselves. So go ahead. Welcome. Hi, I'm Violeta Fernandez. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and a mental health therapist, and I reside out of Texas, San Antonio, Texas, and my specialty is family estrangement in the Latinx community. Well, I'm so happy to have you here. Um, Tell me about who you are now. Like, I know what you do, right? Mm -hmm. And I want to know who you are. And also, what are the levels of like how you're a first gen feeler? Okay, well, let's see who I am is somebody that loves to connect with people. Just in general, I love connecting with people. I love having um, just like really deep conversations about everything from, okay, this is funny, everything from, you know, I mean, obviously like trauma sometimes, but to to, uh, making reads, uh, like uh, holiday reads to ghost stories. I think I love just probably storytelling and I don't consider myself a storyteller, but I just love sharing, connecting and sharing stories with people. I love to know how people first met their partners and their favorite memories. So that's something I, I do notice about myself and a part of who I am, a part of my personality. Um, I am also a mommy. I have my daughter very young, so I'm a single former teenage mom. And throughout my journey, being a first-gen healer is learning to have a healthier relationship, not just uh, for my daughter, but with and for myself. And that looks like examining, for me, it's been examining patterns, really dysfunctional patterns that kept repeating themselves and trying to ultimately create a closer relationship with myself. Um, but that has helped me to, I feel like, become a healthier and a more present uh, mother. So, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. So today's topic is around family estrangement. Uh, I happened upon your Instagram, I don't know how long ago. Uh, I don't know if you remember how long ago, (laughs) but, uh, and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is such a real topic. This is something that comes up when I'm in practice and also just in, in conversations around me where estrangement does happen in our community, but it's not spoken about because it's also so taboo right? You have the, um, the classic lines and I know you've posted videos on it, but they're your mom, they're your dad Mm -hmm. and all of the things that go along with that and judgments that, um, are trying to really stick with 
staying with the patterns, right? Without acknowledging the things that might need to change. Uh, and so I just knew I had to follow you and on Instagram, it sounds all creepy. I knew I had to follow you on Instagram. And then um, eventually, like I even uh, got to chat around the topic and I was just, uh, I felt this extreme uh, validation as well to know that there is a community uh, where this is being talked about. And also just the fact that you, this is your niche. And so that was also great where we also just got to chat a little bit. And I was like, I think I made a friend. Because <laughs> for those of you who don't know, she is just the friendliest. <laughs> You're so kind. <laughs> So I just wanted to pick at your brain because I know I'm not the only one with questions or with um, who's come upon this topic where it's not really spoken about right behind, uh, outside of behind closed doors. Um, so let's just jump into it. I feel like a lot of what happens with family estrangement is um, has to do surrounding boundaries, lack of boundaries or uh, failure to respect boundaries. Um, can you tell me anything about that, about setting boundaries and what your experience it has been with that? Sure. Um, I would say there's a lot of fear in setting boundaries with relatives because there is that risk of being disliked, being rejected, being ostracized from the family. And a lot of times we pick up on that early on. We don't have the language for it, of course, when we're when we're younger, but either when we attempt to challenge the family system, and also when we observe how families react to other family members who are different, or again, challenge the family system, or don't play their role, we see that. And so I believe we, that's, um, we sometimes either internalize that fear or we make note of it, like, okay, can't do that. And so I think that's why boundaries is so scary to people um, when it comes to enforcing those with their relatives or immediate family members or biological family members. I feel like uh, just something that you mentioned about being afraid of how the family will react. Um, I know that for those who haven't been raised in a family where the uh, everything is just so ingrained, right? It's a really good clockwork system. Um, it's hard for others to understand how something can be so ingrained in you mm -hmm. and how you almost already know. And right, this also connects with maybe even some codependency that happens a lot too in enmeshment. Um, how being able to anticipate the response of other people just exists um but also that happens to, that can happen in any family or just in community where you notice the patterns it's also something that we do out of survival right we learn how everything works so that we know how to respond accordingly how to fit in and uh we we have this fantastic skill uh and we use it so i think about um even just cases of when you think of like a topic or uh, I know that I've heard in the past someone saying, oh, well, you know, like I, I really wanted 
let's just say a, a tattoo, right? I really wanted a tattoo growing up, but then I would always hear how my parents would say all of these horrible things about tattoos or people with tattoos, right? And then when you get older, you're like, I, I don't want to, get, I, like, I want to get one, but I don't want to get one because this is how they would react. Someone else could say, well, how do you know? They love you and da, 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 all this stuff. But you're like, no. And you can think back to all of those moments where they were just saying all of these horrible things. Granted, yes, we should give people an opportunity also to show up for you and to, to actually have that conversation. But that can also be one of the barriers and one of the fears that's getting in front of you actually telling someone else what you want, because you're like, well, I've seen how you've reacted all these other times to these situations. What's mm -hmm. going to be different with me, mm -hmm. right? Has that ever happened with you or any examples come to mind? Well, yes. Yes, because, well, one thing to keep in mind is that our identities are, the core of our identities are our families, our parents, our culture. And so we do oftentimes internalize how they react to us, how they cope with any stress um, so what they say and what they think is really important to us now I grew up in a violent household and so the reactions of course were pretty extreme and so that fear um, was constantly planted constant and so there were definitely I, I but I remember testing the waters I remember um unintentionally unintentionally testing the waters so for example uh, I remember at an early age like eight or nine and I had a crush on this little boy and I told my mom because I think for me what and this is why I think people get confused is that we see on tv or read books where they tell their moms or their dads or their parent you, see, you know things about themselves and then there's support and I remember really thinking I was going to you know she would be like my friend um, but no, it was a really strong reaction and shame, shame. That was probably the name of the game in my home <laughs> was shame. Mm -hmm. And so I just remember that like really rattling me. And I was like, well, I can't ever tell her anything about um, anything like that, about crushing on anybody. And so then over the years, uh, religion, my mom, she was very religious in some ways, other ways not. But it was the constant message of respect yourself. Don't be, you know, you need to respect yourself. And that meant in her mind, like not letting boys touch me. And then with violence, that would be reinforced with violence. And so, you know, if I made a mistake, if I was just being a normal kid, if I wrote on my book cover, I love so-and-so, oh, forget it. So, you know, just those constant messages reinforced with violence, uh, for me, always left that impression that, I could not go to them, but I would try. And that's the thing what people don't understand is when adult children or even teenagers estrange themselves from their parents or other family members, that did not happen overnight. And there's been several attempts over years to connect, to, to create closeness. Um, because I think for a lot of us, there's always that hope that we can have a closer relationship. But unfortunately, um, it just never would, uh, it would never amount to what I had wanted. And I think that's just us being human is wanting that close relationship, especially when it's biological parents. But um, yeah, it just didn't happen. So that's how that fear comes about is the constant shame and violence that's involved in, 
in um in homes yeah and i feel like you had mentioned you know especially with biological parents but i think um just with any caregivers in general right because of that need to belong uh wherever wherever that may be and i totally know what you're talking about with the the after school specials where you're like okay we're gonna cue the music it's gonna be beautiful and you're like oh hold up this is not the way it goes in my house right and it doesn't necessarily have to be um an abusive situation either it just for a lot and right i'm not going to speak for every latino household but it's also just for that first gen experience these are skills about like the emotional empathy and all of that that weren't taught to the parents right and so we're we're having these expectations of like oh well, look at like these healthy patterns look at this over here that were never given over here or even talked about so then i just you know i applaud you also for for recognizing for yourself like what you wanted to dif do differently with your kid and mm -hmm. uh, because it's also I think what a lot of people don't understand, um, and this happens with a lot of abusive situations and um, where it's it's that cycle, right? It's the cycle of abuse. And then also um, where you want to belong so badly that you're like, okay, how much am I willing to put up with too? Like, yeah, sure, my needs are, are ignored or I can't present myself as my most authentic self. And yet I still want to belong. I still want to be here. Um, I know that estrangement is not, it's not an easy decision. And, um, you know, for those who, uh, who have made previous judgments on it, <laughs> where they're just like, oh, just talk to them, give them a chance. I was totally one of them. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, also because of the culture identity that exists, or even um, the just certain lines that are also tossed around which is like your family's your family and mm -hmm. you know you're there for one another but also it takes two it does and it takes both of you meeting each other where you're at um and also understanding that maybe the other person's not not ready and that hurts it really hurts because you're like well i want to be here i want to talk um but the mm -hmm. other person isn't ready to either acknowledge it or they don't see that anything's wrong yet we're also that could be opening a door to even deeper wounds for them that mm -hmm. they prefer not to go down. Right. Yeah. So it's just, it's a more layered and complicated issue than just, you know, they were mean to me this one time and mm -hmm. I cut everything off. It's so much more complicated than that. <sighs> what does, uh, I'm, I'm sure that also with the strange rap that brings up different feelings one of those being also abandonment yeah. you know what does what does abandonment look like um do you have any examples um sure so with abandonment you know a lot of times we think it's parents we'll say in this case parents that parents caregivers that don't provide that actually leave their children somewhere and never to see them again and it's not i don't uh like i personally don't identify with that um, I think it's more to do when we don't show up for children that allows them to feel heard, to feel seen, to feel protected, and to even feel celebrated just for existing. And it doesn't involve always having to provide, you know, um, buying them things. It's just that emotional support on a consistent basis 
And it can be really confusing because a lot of us have come from homes where our parents really hustled to, to buy us things, to provide, make sure that we had food, but we're not sometimes realizing it's, it was the amount of, or lack of emotional support that caused us to feel abandoned or that caused us to feel shame. And so uh, it can be, it can look like that. It can look like, in my case, a parent after so many years, or we'll say family members that are, say, I don't want a relationship with you anymore. I've ended it. So that's definitely a form of abandonment. And so overall, that's how I look at abandonment. How I perceive abandonment is when we stop uh, showing up for people on an emotional level. Some, it's been consistently, um, I've worked with people, they, they cannot think of a time that their parent has ever been affectionate or supportive of them. Hmm. And then someone like in my case, it was off and on, off and on. There were moments that, that I felt supported, but not, it wasn't often and it wasn't, it was not on a consistent basis. And then ultimately I was just discarded. So that was definitely an abandonment uh, for me and that a lot of people I know go through. I want to talk about the consequences of that, mm-hmm. um, which is how this isn't only something that affects that relationship, but also it can show up in other relationships, oh, yeah. right? Um with decisions for family estrangement, whether it's the choice of the person or not, or everybody, whatever, Mm -hmm. um, there's still that wound to deal with where it actually will show up in other parts of your life. So for example, um, you know, if you're, if you're having this with a a parent, um, it's not uncommon that it shows up in your romantic relationships or even in your platonic relationships, because why? Because I'm afraid to let somebody close Mm -hmm. and only for them to abandon me or to say that, you know, I wasn't worth it. Right. If we put it just in the most simple terms, um, what do you think about, about that? Yeah, it definitely comes up. And so when I work with individuals trying to um, understand and heal their journeys through their journeys with family estrangement is to also examine and readjust their platonic their romantic, their work relationships, any form of relationships um, will likely have similar patterns in the way in the way we were raised. And so if we're not trying to repair or trying to ultimately create a healthier relationship with ourselves, we're likely going to gravitate towards what's familiar. And so it's not so much that we want to engage in unhealthy relationships. A lot of times it's just what feels familiar. So you'll definitely see very similar patterns in other relationships with our, in our lives, but ultimately in the relationship with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then that's where the inner work comes in. Yes. Because work. you don't want to, you know, going where fam- you're familiar is nice. It's almost, I describe it as uh, feeling like you already know the instruction manual. Right. Like, oh, if I do this, then they won't get mad. And then if I go this far, okay, they'll get too mad. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to push the envelope over here as opposed to the scary thing, which actually might be being in a healthy relationship. (laughs) Yes. Because so many times we've been rejected when we asked for something we needed or wanted, we've been shamed. 
And so what you tend to see in a home where there's a home, families, where there's this um, pattern of power and control, abuse, Mm -hmm. is then they don't even have to be around for us to then exert that onto ourselves. So just think of somebody who has to constantly control um, what they put in their bodies or control their need to control in relationships is constantly that theme of trying to control themselves because of the constant conditioning that they um, experienced in their own family of being controlled. So we repeat these patterns onto ourselves and with others. And the brain always wants to know, am I safe? Mm -hmm. And so for a lot of people, that's also where like the quote unquote control issues come up right? It's Mm -hmm. not that they want to all the time control everything. It's also because this makes me feel safe. I didn't know what to anticipate growing up, or I don't know what to anticipate from this relationship, or I love this relationship so much. I want to be sure that everything goes well. Right. And so if we just follow (laughs) my, my 15 page plan, everything will go perfectly, but that's not the way it works because life happens. And people have their own personalities, their own wants. And that's also what's beautiful about community, right? Mm -hmm. And being a part of any relationship where you get to learn from one another. So Mm -hmm. then that's where the the inner work also needs to to be in check right there to be like, okay, I can't control everyone, even though I know that the reason, or maybe even knowing the reason I'm trying to control all the things is because of X, Y, and Z, right? Mm -hmm. That that also does help. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that with a number of different communities, right? The Latinx, the queer community, et cetera. And so what is something that like that you would find grounding or one of the things to like, a, if it were a mantra or something to remind themselves? Got it. Yeah. Cool. Um, typically what I really focus on a lot is mindfulness slowing down and it's to transition out of that that state of survival Uh into really learning how to exist and that means just becoming more comfortable in our own skin becoming comfortable with ourselves simply because there's been so much shame involved whether it's from our identities to our decision making to our own emotions that so the the tool that I typically use in sessions with people I work with is just learning how to slow down and start to become more familiar with ourselves in the present moment so that definitely is noticing how our body is responding to emotions that typically taps, taps into the subconscious and um, that's trying trying to think that's always my first that tends to be my first go-to before we start really dismantling and challenging um beliefs that we've inherited and and that we've held on to but aren't serving us okay um so a lot of mindfulness that's that's good I I know that sometimes it's not even people are like just try yoga right (laughs) that definitely wasn't the start for me where I needed to do something a little bit more active to find my mindfulness and I I don't think I'm the only person because then eventually I got I did get to get to yoga and enjoy it and it's a lot harder than it looks. they got these crazy moves i just started yoga a month maybe a month ago mm-hmm. so that's why we explore different types of mindfulness the one that tends to be the i noticed 
the most popular is grounding using senses, visualization, mm -hmm. and body scans. A lot of somatic work um, is involved, though. Yeah, especially whenever things get trapped in the body, right? So we want to want to move them out. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we can't control others' response to our boundaries. Um, how do we respond when others react in uncooperative ways? Um, any any suggestions for that? Sure. I like to use soft boundaries. So I like to suggest soft boundaries. And so that looks like not sharing intimate parts of your life with people, mm. reserving details about what we're feeling or what we're interested in, what we're experiencing, and reserving that only for people that have demonstrated that they are interested in us, that they share similar values, that it feels safe though, ultimately is that you feel safe telling them. Now, it's not to say we're not gonna try. I think a lot of us try, you know, and keep trying to connect and build that closeness, but it's recognizing at some point, it's, it's only causing more harm than good when we keep trying to share intimate parts of ourselves with people who don't value it. But that to me is a boundary I, I like to, to explore the most. Um, and then of course it varies. Everybody's different. I think it's just really testing the waters and also knowing that you can adjust your boundaries. Um, it just depends because what I have found is people that care about you and are interested, even if they're not sure how to, to um, respond, some of them, it may take several times, but they will adapt. And where some, they'll make it clear from the get-go, they're not interested in adapting to your boundaries. So ultimately you will decide how you want to engage and how you want to let people in. Yeah, that's great because I think um, a lot of people think it just needs to be hot or cold, right? Like I'm not gonna talk to you at all, or I am, uh, but you do get to decide that. You get to decide who you let in your circle or um, as Brene Brown says, right? Who gets to hear your story? Because yeah, not every not everybody's worthy of that. They're not. Uh, and it's uh that's a difficult thing to break whenever you're part of uh when you're part of a culture that says you need to hug everybody. <laughs> right? It is. And, and again, that craving to be accepted. Mm -hmm. we, I think some of us we just kind of continue to test the waters until we feel like either giving up or we're just we some of us will never stop. And that's where I, I do let people know you decide when you know, just know you have choices, but I think sometimes we don't realize we have a choice to pull away. So we just keep trying and trying and we keep hurting ourselves. Uh -huh. um, but there's a whole spectrum of how we can show up in relationships. So different boundaries can be explored and um, it really depends what each individual responds to the most. And I like that because it's not a one size fits all. Right. It's not. It's, it's not. a lot of exploration. It is. It really is exploring. And I, but I do find that others will shame others for exploring those boundaries. So I think receiving affirmations from people that you trust is really helpful while you're exploring your boundaries. Mm. Um, what would you say the side effects of healing when setting boundaries are. Uh, one that I've noticed is uh, that surprised me <laughs> were the waves of anger and grief and sadness 
mm-hmm. um, when making a difficult decision in terms of uh, maintaining your boundaries, because it's not like you set something up and they're like, okay, I'm going to leave it there. It is um, different things can also trigger you. Uh, and I think I, you know, I've had this conversation with you where I think a wave of grief and uh, anger hit me out of nowhere, seemingly nowhere. Yeah. And I said, oh, it's because, you know, this, this is being awakened as well. Um, I've had some conversations with, uh, with some friends as well, who just were able to recognize, oh yeah, whenever, you know, I set this boundary with, you know, my mom, or I set this boundary with my dad. and these waves came up for me too, but I found that that also wasn't spoken about. What are your experience with these waves? Are they normal? Yes, they're very normal. I think some of the side effects is definitely reflection. Not to say everybody will take the time to do that. I think sometimes it's very uncomfortable for people to reflect because that might admit that we play a role or what role we play or perhaps us feeling like, we're at fault. But I think for a lot of us, it does, um, it does cause us to reflect on the relationship, what we've experienced. For me, when I started to reflect more, I started to come to terms with what had been normalized for me was, was not normal. It was a lot of abuse. Hmm. And I realized how I would cope in that relationship was not talking about it, not asking questions. And so what then, of course, it carries over into other relationships. Another side effect, I feel like were just flashbacks, a lot of maybe excessively worrying about things I couldn't control, self-blaming, self-doubt. Oh, why did I have to say anything? Why, why didn't I do this? So a lot of it, I think, is questioning our role in decisions that we've made. But then at some point, I know for me, once I entered therapy, that was really helpful for me to, to release, to process and release some of the feelings, the, the self-blaming that would come up and reframing it in a way that felt in, that felt more peaceful for me. Hmm. Then a part of it also was outgrowing people, letting go of relationships that just weren't serving me. And not to say that they were bad people or anything like that, but I was just moving further than they were. And so we just didn't really have much in common. And I also perhaps was past the trauma bonding with them. Our, I realizing that, okay, our relationship is just based on trauma bonding. There's not a lot of substance. And so the side effect is outgrowing people, experiencing even something like flashbacks and you're constantly thinking about replaying in my mind what had happened with the estrangement and also examining what role I had and and then um, making changes, repairing the relationship with myself, repairing the relationship with my daughter, because I had inflicted harm on her because I was repeating a lot of same patterns with her. So making efforts to repair, um, but also in the people I wanted to keep in my life was also readjusting the boundaries. Like, okay, I need to make some changes if, you know, for this to work. And then you wait and see how they're, how they respond as well. 
Another side effect is getting to know myself. What am I good at? What am I capable of? What do I like? And that, that I really liked a lot. And of course, making new connections where I have to practice my new skills post-therapy. So that's fun. Um, but these are different side effects, effects that have I've noticed from healing and, and family estrangement. I think a, a big one for me that I noticed and also what I got to process in therapy too is in not realizing it was also shrinking myself. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's also a side effect where yeah. I think it, uh, because you're, you're also so heightened and afraid to then lose anything. <laughs> yeah, you're like everything else sort of you, you soften in another way in regards to, um, even making those decisions, uh, that you would normally make very quickly. You're like, oh, let me second guess this. Cause I, I don't want to make anyone mad. Right? I've already made this other person mad and <laughs> I don't want to continue that. But then also like you had mentioned, like with therapy, recognizing, okay, that, that part isn't yours, what right. you get to recognize and you still get to be you, you get to show up as your authentic self. Right. And, uh, this is also part of the healing process where it's, just like you said, getting to know yourself. I really appreciate your posts on getting to know your inner child. Mm-hmm. I'm just a really big fan. You're like, today, this is what it is. It's the colors or it's like the barrettes or whatever you, you're doing. <laughs> yeah. I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah, I love oh. those little things. It's like, to me, somebody else posted like little glimmers of joy. And, mm-hmm. and I love that because to me, when we notice those little, the, the glimmer, the small glimmers of joy and hope, that's me being able to be more present with myself. Things I just wouldn't have noticed or tried had I still been in that constant state of survival. Mm-hmm. And it's it's also giving you a chance to bloom in mm-hmm. different ways. Almost like, granted, you know, the plantitas that I have, mm-hmm. <laughs> I keep I keep succulents, and they're they're very patient with me. But even then, it's hard. <laughs> but I do know that pruning is important. <laughs> And so it's almost like, well, when you take the initiative to prune in a healthy way for your life, you also get to allow yourself to grow and bloom in these other parts of your life. And one of them being like, oh, okay, what does my inner child want right now? Even mm-hmm. though I, d- I did post a video on like, um, where I was like pretending to cry. And I'm like, when my therapist says that, you know, listening to my inner child doesn't mean eating ice cream every day, <laughs> even though there are times where I, I ask my inner child, like, what do I actually want right now? I want to take a nap. Usually it's that. And it's yeah. funny because I never wanted to take a nap when I was an actual child. Yeah. No, that was, that's the senora side. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, I'm always ready. Give me a good fellow. Even without, I'll take a nap. <laughs> yes, I love naps. Um, so also part of this journey is meeting people where they're at mm-hmm. and recognizing, you know, it takes two, um, or also giving yourself that affirmation of I've done the most that I can today, mm-hmm. or I have left the ball in their court. Right. Or even for some people, it looks differently with family estrangement or just with estrangement in general. Um, some people choose to send holiday cards. Some people choose to, um, you know, go to therapy and, and work it out there. Um, for some people, no contact is a thing. Other people, they can have minimal contact. It also just depends on what works for you um, and what works for the situation at the time. And of course, when um, just putting it out there, seeking professional help, especially when it comes to uh, those 
cases with abuse, because that is something different. That is not something that we're technically tackling today, right? Um, but just something to be aware of, um, right. because that is so, so layered and so complicated and worthy of having a space to process that. Yeah. I think meeting people where they're at is really coming to terms with people's limitations. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, also respecting their, um, respecting those limits, respecting their boundaries. Because I've had friends who have told me, well, just, just send, you know, just text your dad, you love him. At least you did that. But uh-huh. one, that was really harmful for me who knew I wasn't either, it wasn't going to be reciprocated um yeah it just wasn't going to be reciprocated and so what did that do for me nothing it was then he had already told me he didn't want a relationship with me so why am I going to keep pushing it that to me didn't serve either one of us so meeting people where they're at I think is really coming to terms again with their limitations it could change I don't know and that's one thing I tell people is circumstances can change you'll especially see that as people age (laughs) and so um but it doesn't mean it doesn't also mean that I'm going to be interested by then in in reconnecting but if I am the opportunity may rise uh arise again so really it just comes down to coming to terms with people's limitations but that can be very painful because there is that hope that they're either going to change they're going to reconsider and want to reconnect and sadly a lot of times that's not the case, but it happens on occasion. But I think that's part of letting go because we're just creating ourselves more suffering when we do not let go of people who are not interested in us. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I'm like, maybe I should have add, added that to the outline. What not to say <laughs> as a friend to someone who is going through family estrangement um, because I think a lot of people, while they mean well, they don't understand um, what they're saying in that moment. And, and so it's not something that I would, I would go out and be like, why are you saying that? Right. Not to get angry, but also just to help understand. So for those who are listening, who have never been in the situation, what would you, because some of these things just feel automatic for some people to say, and granted, I feel like you and I probably could have been in that mix too you know, years ago to say like, oh, just try, you know, just do this. Definitely. I feel so bad. (laughs) Yeah. So things not to say. Uh, Okay. So for instance, this is a big one. And I actually got this from my mom. It was constantly, well, what if they die? You know, Mm. this is your only, you only get one, like they're getting older. They, what if they die? You're going to regret it was, that's a fear based. And so that one, I specifically remember telling a friend, and that was something I would share from hear from my mom all the time is, is just that, that they, the, you know, they could die. The worst case scenario, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> and that I would pay the price, basically that I would pay the price if something happened to them, despite their behavior with me. And so that's one thing. The other, of course, is like, well, that's your, but that's your mom, that's your dad, that's your, that's your tío or tía, that's your sister, it's almost like it doesn't matter what they've done to you you know you need to basically grin and bear it and that gets really old but that's another one and the other one um that I I've heard a lot is just just try just try almost as though we haven't been trying Uh 
And so, well, have you, have you thought of doing this? It's just constantly like making suggestions for you to put yourself out there ultimately to get hurt. But it's almost like that doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. The weirdest thing is that people will just totally overlook that. It's more about your effort. And as long as you made an effort, you're going to be okay. It's the weirdest thing. Mm -hmm. All of the other efforts that were rejected. And, um, but those are the ones that come to mind right away. Uh, usually like, oh, so you get, you only get one mom, you only get one dad and the family's everything. Uh, so there's a lot of guilting projecting that goes on when people are pressuring others into reconnecting with family. I found one also to be, and not to be like all negative about it, but I feel like for those in the community doing this work, um, they would understand. Um, it would be saying, don't worry, it'll change when <laughs> this happens, yeah. right? It'll change when you, a big milestone in your life happens yeah, or it'll kids. Yeah. They'll come mm-hmm. around your kids. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, for myself, I felt like that one was discrediting the experience. I said, well, well, okay, maybe, you know, in the future, sure. Um, but at least right now, what exists is pain. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that I think I need my friend to show up for, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not the, well, you know, it's fine. Like almost as if like, we're going to just go past all those uncomfortable feelings, which, you know, for a lot of people, if it is uncomfortable, I would encourage people to say, this is a really uncomfortable topic for me, or I have no words. And so you let me know what you need, right? That's also, that's okay to say. Um, But in regards to uh, going, going down that route of saying, it'll change when that happens. I think that that part can also be frustrating because you don't know if it'll change. And while you don't have to close the door completely to hope at the same time, on the other side, we don't want to create that, uh, that feeling that. And then everything will be better, right? Because that repair work will still need to happen just because somebody decides to do something. It doesn't mean that things didn't, you know, happen and that they don't need to be processed and worked through because ultimately these are relationships. Right. Right. And that brings to mind is also the other ones that come to mind is about forgiveness Oh, and this one, I, I wish I had my mom, because if I had had my mom, I would try. Or if I had had my dad, that that comes, or my sister. Mm-hmm. I forgot about those that just popped in before I forget. But the forgiveness one is a big one. Um, yeah, but you're right. It, it takes, it's a lot of skills involved. And um, I like the way you put that, that discrediting the experience. So I do encourage people, if you don't know what to say, just listening, just mm-hmm. listening. And, and even validating the experience that's that's enough yeah and so just because I love examples <laughs> so then mm-hmm. I would you know yeah probably say listening and just like you said validation that mm-hmm. sounds really hard yeah that's it that's and that's it like I that sounds really heartbreaking and yeah. I think it's acknowledging just the pain that goes into making these decisions or being a part of a decision, because it's not always you. It might be the other person, just like you had mentioned with your dad who made the decision and said, I don't want a relationship with you. So, um, there's a lot of lack of understanding out there for people who mean well, 
right? They mean well, and they want you to also, you know, be happy and to have these relationships. Um, but also there's, there's a moment that we need to stop and recognize if someone is in pain, if, if they have a wound that's open in front of you, yeah. I'm not going to just, um, you know, like put something over it and be like, it's not there, you know, right. and it'll get better in five weeks. That does not take away the fact that this wound hurts a lot right now. And it's open. Right. Right. And I get why people do that because mm-hmm. I, I think it causes them to now look at themselves and question if that could ever potentially happen to them. And right away, if it, they think about what they would do if it does, and that it, it just is really uncomfortable, the idea uh-huh. of not ever talking to a parent or a caregiver or a sibling, it, it can just be really uncomfortable. So I get why people do it. Uh-huh. However, they're doing it to comfort themselves and versus the other when they start to to uh, make suggestions that they they would take because they feel threatened. Uh-huh. So I get it. I get yeah. why. And I've and I've heard the other side of that, too, where in their world, it does not exist. Right. This possibility doesn't exist where they're, they've also said, well, I can't even imagine that because my parent would never do that. So it just doesn't make sense. So it's also being open to understanding that other family dynamics, uh, exist and being open to having that discussion of saying, or saying, this doesn't make sense to me. Um, so you don't have to explain it to me, but I'm going to, I might also take your word for it. Right. right. That's actually a great point. Sometimes it's such a foreign idea in mm-hmm. not having a close relationship with a certain family member. It's just so foreign. People don't even think that's a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they can't understand because they, they really haven't experienced it. Yeah. And so let's talk about, I know that we've, we've touched on it throughout, but also the importance of finding your people. Um, healing and community, uh, maybe even seeking out therapy, which we did touch on, but what, what is that to you? What does that mean to you to find your people in healing? Um, finding your people looks like really stepping outside of the family system, outside of your relatives and exploring, allowing yourself to, to explore so that you can diversify your experiences, your memories, your interests, your your skills, because it is going to require skill set and connecting with new people. And so it is going to require level of for some discomfort, but it is needed as far as growth and seeking support. Once people can really expand the amount of people in their lives, it can become much easier to not depend so much on people that are hurtful so that's how as far as like looking for community or looking for a chosen family or just like looking for support you can find that by getting involved in the community whether it's at for some it might be at a local community center might be volunteering and my i know for me i joined swimming at the ymca and it can be through your, if you have kids, through their activities and other parents, it can be support groups. The digital community is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoy it because we, that's how we met. We, you, you meet other people that can relate mm-hmm. and that aren't 
and it depends. It's interesting. Somebody even noticed on TikTok how it feels sometimes that you don't know each other. You, in some weird way, can feel so affirmed or validated. Yeah. There's, I guess, more people out there that can relate to your experience that you wouldn't normally meet. Uh-huh. So really just stepping outside of your of your immediate family and looking to connect that's not always easy. So sometimes just baby steps, it could be signing up for a class at the community college. So it just depends. It's a matter of people testing the waters. And also all of that on the journey to get to know yourself better, because Mm -hmm. uh, again, for those who don't know, and who've never been in this situation, it's, it shakes your identity. It does. And it leaves you in a place where you do question who you are, you question your decisions, you question um, a lot. And so it's almost like it's a, it's the major, it's a major (laughs) rebrand is what it is. is. Yeah. And so they get to um, explore that, but that's, uh, I really like that idea of finding your interests again, or even rediscovering them or finding new ones. Um, Also, I really like the idea of resourcing uh, in terms of relationships, because for those who are now estranged to either parents or siblings or whoever it is, um, finding other people in your community or in your circle that can also, while it can never take the place completely, right? You can also get pieces of it. Uh, we have we we all have that mom friend in yeah. our group of friends, right? <laughs> who were just like, oh my gosh, yeah, I did remember a jacket. So even in little pieces like that, where you're like, you know what, who I'm going to channel for this, like, uh, this need I have to have like a matriarch in my life. I'm like, while we are friends, this, this is like a little sliver. I get to put almost in this mosaic, right. That I now get to create from my life. And, um, just that chosen family that you're talking about, because also that chosen family might have a lens to choose, uh, those who are healthiest for, uh, not only you, but for your nervous system right? Where also you get to set the boundaries uh, from the start, or you get to talk to somebody who is open about talking about boundaries saying, Hey, you know, like, I'm not okay when you mentioned this. And they're a little bit more receptive and saying, I had no like plan of making you feel that way. I'm so sorry. I will adjust, which can be a completely Mm -hmm. foreign concept for someone who has never had that experience in their family of origin. Yeah, you get to meet people with different skill sets and how they manage relationships. Um, But it is being aware, be very aware of who it is that you're connecting with. Again, we tend to gravitate towards what's familiar. Uh Um, But you're right, because the thing is with family estrangement, there's a lot of uncertainty. One, because a lot of us have received these conflicting messages about who we are, about love, and it can be really confusing to hear this from people that are supposed to love and protect us. And again, sometimes you get sporadic moments of love and support. It's sometimes there's these good times and mm-hmm. that's why we keep going back. And so it really messes with our identity because again, family and culture are at the core of our identity. And when that's messed with, that's how we develop so much self-doubt about who we are. And so exploring outside of that can be scary, but it can allow us to tap into what we were not able to receive, at least on a consistent basis from our, from our families growing up. Mm -hmm. 
but yeah, it's, it's really interesting what you will find when you, when you seek. And also just the moments noticing how you're responding Mm -hmm. in terms of uh, a lot of people go into shame, right? Because while they could be living their best life and you Instagram, right? Everybody on Instagram looks fantastic. And they're just living my best life. Um, not seeing the work that goes behind it or the moments of questioning, uh, the moments of recalibration to while, you know, you're making this decision of, you know, like, oh, I'm going to do this because I have lots of who's measuring stick. Are you holding right now? Are you holding yours and what is put there? Right. Or are you holding your parents? Are you holding someone else's for a lot of people? Also, it can happen with society, right? That whole idea of like, oh, I got to keep up with the Joneses or I got to keep up over here or even um, just keeping up with appearances that everything's okay, that it's okay for it not to be okay. It's okay for when somebody asks you, how are you doing? And if you feel safe and you feel willing to share that, say, I'm not doing my best right now, but you know, I'm working on it. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And more often I'm finding now with that honesty is that other people, and again, because you get to choose who Mm -hmm. you share your information with, um, for a lot of people, it's also been them saying, you know what? I haven't, I haven't been on my lately either. And in those moments of connection, we also find community, uh, where we're able to both say, you know, things aren't going the best right now, and this is how I'm working on it. And, uh, sort of how I, in the first gen feeler, um, trailer, I say we get to compare our yarn balls and I just really like that visual. Cause I'm like, okay, we're all just trying to undo these knots that we've been given, um, and I really like that in community and in finding your, your chosen family. Um, but I'm just so happy that I got to have you here today. Um, it's, uh, you are doing so much work, uh, and your words are making, um, just such an impact in rooms that you are not even aware of. Yeah. And so I think that that is amazing. And that is, um, just such a fantastic ripple effect. Uh, and I, and I hope that you get to continue to do this. Uh, cause I know that at the beginning, you just sort of mentioned to me, um, when we had first started talking, how you're like, Oh, I didn't know how I was going to determine my niche. <laughs> I really didn't. I had no idea. I was like, what do I talk about? But mm-hmm. when, um, I, for me, I started teaching abandonment. That was the first thing for me was abandonment and then adult children who have been abandoned. And that's how just doing the research. I'm like, there was a name for this. I'm like, oh, because I didn't ever grow up with the term estrangement. Uh-huh. But I understood the experience because I wasn't the only one that was going through it in my family. I saw my mom not talking to her sisters and my dad being distant with a sibling or a sibling or two or more. So I'm like, oh, this is, I know what this is. I just didn't have the name for it. Uh-huh. So. so- Thank you for making that choice to go down that road. Um, but like with anything, it's, it's trial and error and you allowed yourself to do that. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I was just like, does anybody else go through this? <laughs> and then you got all these followers. Yeah, I didn't know. I, I had no idea. It was really interesting that nobody in my close friends it really not many people had experienced, at least not the way I did. I knew it existed because I knew of a lot of folks in the queer community who have been disowned, who have um, had to end relationships, but more so disowned. 
but that wasn't really the reason my parents didn't know I was bisexual they I don't know the only way they probably would know is if someone told my dad but that wasn't the reason for me it was more um a discardment for challenging so there's there's um overlap in that but anyway that's another discussion <laughs> well um we're coming to the end uh so this is the final question mm-hmm. being that this is an opportunity to show up as someone who you needed when you were younger uh, and being that first gen role model mm-hmm. what would you tell little you if you could speak to them today you know i really thought about this one because it's a question i often ask the clients that i work with but when I was put in this position, I thought, oh, I don't know. I, I, it's a couple of things. One is just telling my younger self that you are worthy. But a lot of it would have more to do with touch, would have to do with hugs when I felt distressed. Um, and just, yeah, just hugs during moments of distress. That's what I really needed. So it's not as much what needed to be said, but what needed to be felt and done Mm -hmm. I really needed it. So showing up for yourself just to to give that hug in those times of distress. Definitely. That to me was really needed because when you go through violence, a lot of times you're just left with like dealing with the 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 emotions on your own and even then you have to suppress some of that so allowing myself and being there for myself to feel what I feel when when it's uncomfortable a hug mm-hmm. hugs would have really helped mm-hmm. okay so you had shown up and given a hug mm-hmm. <sighs> that's beautiful and sometimes right actions actions will speak louder um mm-hmm. and so that's beautiful and so we can I hope I hope you get a good hug in today <laughs> you're about to hug this bed <laughs> a nap. there you go that's yes you're gonna go hug your bed that's a good one <laughs> all right well thank you so much for everyone who was listening today um thank you Violetita, for joining uh your words resonated and are just so appreciated uh, everyone give a follow at Latinx estrangement on Instagram and TikTok. And of course, first at first gen feeler on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, we hope to see you soon. Whatever you do today, please remember to pause, breathe, and be kind to yourself. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe at first gen feeler. So you don't miss out on any of the topics that we're going to dive into. Hope to see you next time.